Okay, welcome back to HOA It's a True Story with GB Group. Today, we're going to be talking with Bill Mann, the president of GB Group, and myself. And we are going to be discussing the presentation that we're going to be presenting this week at the ECHO Trade Show and University. Now, ECHO stands for Executive Council of Homeowner Associations, and it's a little bit unique in that ECHO was originated to serve the boards of HOAs and teach them their fiduciary responsibilities. So it's really geared for the board members themselves and the educational process that they need to go through. So Bill, you know, looking back, we're going to be talking on a topic that we have been actually discussing for about three years now. And that is the labor and construction trends going on in the HOA industry. So what do you remember the most looking back in 2017? Well, I think in 2017, I think the thing that was probably going on the most, it seems like everybody was just trading the same workforce because we were unemployment got down so tight that there were any available workers. So basically, we were all just fighting for the same small group of folks. And what it did is drove up labor costs tremendously over that period of time I were doing that. I mean, we saw most construction positions, you know, down in the single digits uh, of workers, which is pretty significant when you talk about employment statistics. Yeah, I think by, or I don't know, it was around May 2018, I think we hit an all-time low of 2.9% unemployment. And it was pretty slim pickings, if I if I remember. There wasn't too many people to hire. No, and I think there was like over 300,000 open construction jobs at that time as well. Right. And, you know, um, at one point, I think we were even going to swap meets and college flyers and we were doing everything. At one point, we even were going out to the swap meets and colleges trying to set out flyers at Home Depot, anywhere we thought we could attract employees for interview. And if we did get a response, it seemed like they were either super expensive and wanted a million dollars as a assistant carpenter, or it seemed like they were fresh out of jail or something, no real skill set. Yeah, I remember there were a lot of ads <clears throat> that people had posted, particularly in the South Bay. It was like a $1,000 sign-on bonus for for apprentice painters and $2,000 sign-on bonus for journeyman painters. Uh, painters, I remember, were one of the big areas that was that was uh, super difficult to get people, particularly in the South Bay. And I just, I had to laugh that, you know, we're now, you know, doing sign-on bonuses to get basically blue-collar positions filled. It does seem like this is an industry that is just growing by leaps and bounds. California, in particular, is one of the largest growing HOA states. I think the other two are Florida and Texas. But it doesn't appear to be slowing down anytime soon. Before the pandemic hit, Governor Newsom had really put the fast track on permits so that the developers could continue to build low-cost housing and just housing in general because there was such a shortage in the state of California. And it seemed like things were kind of moving along by 2018. Some of the commercial hadn't really slowed down. It was still pretty action-packed in 2018. I don't think we saw a slowdown at all 
till 2019. No, not too much in the commercial. The thing that did happen, though, between, you know, 2016 and 2018 is that the number of people residing in HOAs in California went up by about 50%, which is pretty significant. So it kind of tells you where the new residential construction is focused. I remember reading a quote from the American General Contractors Association, and they, about three months apart, they had written, well, the labor pool is really drying up and it's getting harder and harder to fill all the jobs. And about three to six months later, they had another article that came out that said, the labor pool has completely evaporated and there are no, there are no people to put into these slots. So we were getting very creative, educating, spending a lot more time teaching. And I think from 2017 to 2018, the increase was about 10% in the Bay Area. But if I recall correctly, there were two places in California that really jumped way faster than anywhere else. And that was Sacramento and San Diego, I think, was the other city. But Sacramento had some crazy one-year jump of like 16.9% increase in construction costs. But why do you think they're pretty close to the Bay Area. Why do you think Sacramento was so high that year? You know, I think it's always been, Sacramento has always been quite a bit less than the Bay Area, even though it's geographically fairly close. And I think it got to the point where the salaries in the Bay Area got to be so high for construction, it basically started pulling the labor pool to the Bay Area. There were so many open jobs. And I think they decided, people decided, you know, for that extra you know, 16, 20% in salary, I'll drive to the Bay Area and work. And I think that ended up happening is for the people to be able to keep crews in Sacramento, they had to keep increasing their salary rates uh, to offset that uh, that siphon uh, that was happening, the vortex down in the Bay Area with all the openings. And do you think the painting jobs were the most popular because it was just cycling that year or you know in that time frame i don't it was just a very weird thing that it was primarily in the south bay and i don't know there just a lot of construction was finishing up or what the situation was but it was just a a huge huge shortage of painters and that one year that just seemed really just quite odd i don't know what what that was about and not only were the salaries significantly higher than normal for painters but like I said, the people were doing sign-on bonuses and all kinds of things to try to attract folks to come work for them. And do you know, the other thing that I really noticed was at the time that we had a labor shortage of trying to hire people, we had a big influx of people retiring. All the baby boomers were starting to get out. And we even saw that in the community management ownership of the businesses themselves. A lot of the mom and pop shops were going away. One of the things that we did see as the baby boomers started to exit the industry, particularly uh, general contractors, the number of general contractors in California started to decline at a pretty substantial rate. So not only had work increased, but there were also less construction companies out there to do the work. Uh, Most of the younger millennials and stuff weren't interested in going and pounding nails. They wanted to work on their computers and, and do more high tech stuff. So we haven't seen a huge influx of the younger generation coming into the construction industry, which is kind of too bad. You know, definitely making opportunities there are growing every day. So you had baby boomers leaving, 
you had about 400,000 baby boomers leaving. And we, oh, it was like 44 million. That's what it was. And we only had about 20 million millennials entering the workforce in that era. So I think that, as you mentioned, with them going into the high tech and other industry, nobody really wanting to swing that hammer anymore. It made a big impact in how we were going to fill those job spots. And vocational training was gone. They didn't have it at the high schools anymore. In fact, one of my friends works for a junior college and she worked to get a vocational program back up and was able to use the local high schools and get into their wood shops and their marine machine shops and that sort of thing to use for the night school classes in order to get people back into vocational training. So they're recognizing it, but we definitely saw a big gap in ability to hire people. Yeah, we've also seen the unions do the same thing. They have really cranked up their training facilities. Uh, we have one that's just around the corner from our office. It used to just be an administrative office, and now they have a huge warehouse that they're going to do vocational training in for uh, to bring up people up through the ranks. I do remember that they had come up with a number specifically stating that from 2017 to 2018, we had that 10% increase. And 2018 to 2019, we hit like another 10% increase. And they said, oh, but 2020, you're not going to have any, or it was 2019, you weren't going to have any increase, maybe 1%. And it ended up being like another 5 or 10 and then they said, oh, well, 2020 is going to taper off. And prior to the pandemic, it was on track to keep going, wasn't it? It was. I mean, we're talking double digits, not just single digit inflation. And then there were a couple of things like the political issues that were going on with trade embargo and stuff were affecting material costs and situations like that before the pandemic started. And when the pandemic started, that created another whole host of problems that were increasing material costs and, and material shortages and availability of different products. So. Well, and we had that whole political climate. At one point, they had tariffs at both China, Mexico, and Canada at a standstill, right? And I know that they got Canada and Mexico turned around real quick with us holding China at bay. So it was almost at one year to the date. I remember it was May to May when the tariff to China finally got lifted. But that was quite the time frame. Canada had to step up and really help with the lumber pricing. Yeah, most of the West Coast supplied lumber is, comes from up north, either northern states here, uh, Oregon and Washington, or you get into the Canadian market. When the uh, tariff started, I mean, the idea, I think, of the government was is that we'd start using stuff, yellow pine and stuff out of the south, which was available. But the important, the problem was there was no material supply chain to get it to the West Coast, that nothing had been set up to do that. So it didn't become a viable product like a lot of people thought it would. So we still had to rely on stuff coming out of Canada. Well, we still have, you know, the fires for three years in a row that have just really wiped out California. We've had a real rash of hurricanes. And these are all things that still continue to keep the cost of lumber at an all-time high. In fact, didn't we just get notified by one of our best lumber suppliers that lumber is now even higher at an all-time high? Yeah, it's at an all-time high and they won't even provide a price list that's good for more than a day. So if we bought lumber or bid a job, 
we really don't know if that's going to stay in place long enough for the bid to even get processed. That's pretty much the case. So um, when the pandemic hit, and we, we've been talking quite a bit about that lately um, and the, the prices that it has affected. You know, we keep seeing the different costs getting passed through, but I don't know. I, I struggle. I look at what the national cost is and they're talking about 10%, but I don't think we've really seen it that high yet. No, I don't think for us it's that high. I'm not sure why their numbers are coming in at that rate. Um, maybe just the jobs that they're looking at and a lot of the logistics that make a big difference in the, in the costs attached to a COVID expense. Yeah, the last study that I saw was saying that they're anticipating about an 8 or 9% productivity decline in just the time it takes in one workday to get all the guys' temperatures checked and checked in that they're not sick and make sure we know where they're working so they don't cross-contaminate and that sort of thing. But I did see today, I think on the Wall Street Journal, they even said that temperature, taking of the temperature is not even a really good gauge to tell if somebody has, you know, COVID flu. Hmm. Did you see that? I didn't see that, but it doesn't surprise me. I don't think so we, when, don't when think we, we sent start anybody talking, home for a high temperature yet, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We have not had anybody with a a fever show up. So that keeps lending itself to the question that we keep hearing about of whether people believe they should postpone their project. And even though things are difficult with families being at home, kids are doing distance learning, we're still recommending that they not postpone because the cost of construction has not stopped. Now, I think it's going to continue to increase. And then I think when the pandemic ends, uh, whatever slight leveling we've had of labor costs, I think they'll start to increase almost immediately afterwards. You know, I know a couple of people have not really gone out during the course of the pandemic and, and restarted up their companies. They had PPP re- money relief, so maybe they stayed closed a little bit longer and didn't have essential projects at the beginning, but they're really struggling now with developing a backlog. And I'm glad that we didn't wait to determine whether we were essential or not, because we did have seismic work going and we had some other things that kept us moving along. Now the backlog nationally is really dropping. So that's going to be another area that people are going to struggle, but it might be good to help offset some of those material increase costs they may be able to at least get a little bit more competitive bidding. Yeah, the construction market for commercials, particularly retail, is probably retail and hospitality will probably increase for a while until things get back to normal. Well, um, there's going to be more need now than ever to be very transparent with these boards, talk with them, make sure they understand exactly why pricing is changing. Like you just mentioned, they're not even guaranteeing the lumber for a day. So in some cases, I think it's going to be that they have to really understand how fluid things are right now. Even what we are allowed and not allowed to do is pretty fluid. And we have to constantly stay on top of that to make sure the manager knows and the board knows communication is going to be critical. It really is. And uh, the projects we are working on, if the communication is set up properly and the information is getting out there, we've actually seen projects be very successful. And even the folks, you know, working from home and everything else, 
a lot of compliments and everything to the community and the board about communicating so they can make whatever adjustments they have to in their life in their lives to work around what we're doing. With the construction boom over the last five years and with the low labor availabilities, how do you think this whole pandemic is going to affect the changes to the scope and the duration? We know we've talked about the cost, but what about the scope and the duration? Well, the scope will change some depending particularly when it relates to interior work and why we would be doing that interior work. So things like window projects and stuff can be done. It's just a lot more difficult and it's more time consuming, more expensive and a lot more intrusive to the residents. So those projects, if they can be postponed, we recommend they probably get postponed at least until the county orders maybe get lightened up a little bit or something else. Also, you know, if you're working in retirement community and stuff, you know, those people are high risk. You're not going to be wanting to go inside their units at all. Uh, but there's plenty of exterior projects that can continue, and, and they are. I mean, every day we're doing more and more of them. Well, there's more to be had this weekend. We're going to be presenting this presentation on Saturday on track three from 2 to 3.30. We hope that you people will join us, come in and listen while we do the deep dive into the labor costs, where they are now, what the pandemic has done to it, and we'll be getting into a much more detailed program than what we kind of just covered. And I'm really excited about it, and I'm looking forward to doing another Echo year with you, Bill. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Well, let's continue this presentation until we eventually co construction shocks actually go down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll keep doing it until the day we finally get to retire. <laughs> yeah, that might happen. <laughs> <laughs> Willingly or unwillingly. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us. We don't have an HOA story today, uh, but do join us at the Echo University 2020 Expo this Friday and Saturday, September 25th and 26th. We look forward to seeing you there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Reagan.